Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. My team is a small business and every single hire needs to fit just right. That's why I'm working with Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tonk here, a.k.a. BTZ. This is the show for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. It's our weekly wrap-up. Welcome. Welcome, everyone who is new to the show. Welcome to all y'all crazies that are coming back. Thank you so much for listening and continue to have fun. We talk about all things Apple-related, you know, kind of as the central point, but then things related outside of the world that affected and just what's happening in the tech world at large. First of all, thanks for coming out. And if you want to be a part of this show, I encourage you to call in. All you got to do is record a voice memo and send it into the Apple Bits show at gmail.com. That's Apple Bits with a Z. Whatever platform, whatever computer, doesn't matter. Send that bad boy in and we will make you part of the show. We have one call, which means if you call in, you have a really high chance of getting on the show. Unless your call is really bad, I'm pretty sure it won't be. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is, again, the way to support my content, support this show. It's amazing because you get a few benefits here. You get rewards at different levels, early access to my content, and a completely ad-free version of the show. You hear no ads whatsoever. We get right to it. It starts at $2 per month. $5 is like a cup of coffee per month. $10, $25, the $100 platinum level. We've got it all. And we will be doing a special Patreon-only live Zoom kind of back-and-forth conversation for an hour, which has always been really fun and another cool benefit. So patreon.com slash Tong is how you can support this show. All right, everybody. Let's get into it. You know, this week, there's a lot of things happening in different ways. I think there's a lot of more news kind of around Apple because we are still waiting. We're coming up close to March and we know that Apple is going to have a March event and it should be coming with AirTags, should be coming with an iPad, new iPad. At least that's what we're rumored to hear. So we'll talk a little bit about that in the show, but I wanted to kind of assemble some of the stories that made sense in chunks. And we know that obviously the Apple Watch is one of those products that is coming later this year. Still. One of my favorite products of all time, even if I only have the Series 4 as my daily, I did not upgrade to the 6, and it's still one of my favorite Apple products to date, although it's kind of different now that we're kind of stuck at home more. So a new report from Avalon has compiled estimated figures and believes that over 100 million people globally now wear an Apple Watch. If we go back, the launch was in April of 2015. But this is why this is fascinating, right? There is no company that is even close. I mean, if you talk about what is the best smartwatch on the planet, it's the Apple Watch, even if you don't have an an iPhone because you need the, that's the thing, you need the iPhone to use the Apple Watch. It's still the best smartwatch on planet Earth. Now, at the end of 2020, approximately 35% of iPhone users in the US were wearing an Apple Watch. So that's a pretty strong adoption rate. But you have to remember, Apple recently did their earnings report just a few weeks ago. And during that time, 
all right, we are establishing that 35% of Apple users have um, are wearing Apple Watch. But in Apple's earnings just a couple of weeks ago, to kind of pile on to where this momentum is, they said that 75% of Apple Watch customers in that, what it was, October, November, December quarter were first-time Apple Watch buyers. And it wasn't the new models that were driving this. It was most likely driven by Series 3 Apple Watches and promos, the Apple Watch SE, right? That's a new one at a lower price point that I told people that if you were considering looking at an Apple Watch today and you do not really need you know, the blood oxygen, that's not important to you. That's not a necessary requirement. You don't need the ECG. And I've, again, I use the ECG maybe once or twice for me personally when I first got it and then I never touched it again. The Apple Watch SE makes total sense. So we have all this momentum around the Apple Watch. It obviously brings attention that other companies might want to get into the game. So here's kind of the most recent story that made me not blink, but just go, huh? Facebook working on smartwatch to compete with the Apple Watch. That's according to a new report from The Information. I repeat, Facebook is working on a smartwatch to compete with the Apple Watch? Now, I'm not going to be a hater and a doubter right out of the gates. I never am with tech. But I'm going to be a hater and a doubter right out of the gates when we're talking about a Facebook watch. Now, here's the thing. Could they maybe get a little sliver of this market? And by sliver, meaning selling some, a few, maybe because, you know, to my surprise, I'm not saying it was a commercial, an overwhelmingly commercial success, but the Facebook portal video uh, conferencing, I know multiple families that end up jumping on board with that. And because, you know, they had small kids, their, you know, sons or daughters had children and made it easy. And you would think, just use face, just use FaceTime. Why not use that? Well, sometimes, whether even when they all had iPhones, they, they liked the experience of going up to this counter and with this device, again, run by Facebook, and they didn't care. You know, we, some of us who are, tend to follow this a lot, a Facebook product would be the last product that I would buy, just purely because of what they do with our information, our privacy. We know that Facebook is in a beef with Apple specifically about those issues. So we're going to get back to the watch here. The belief and the report says messaging and health features will be the focus. Again, this is according to the information. Wearers will be able to send messages with Facebook services like Messenger and WhatsApp. It will also work with a cellular connection without a tethered smartphone. So this is what also kind of stands out that's interesting with this device. And this is something that I think is really, really important. And hopefully, you know, Apple does it, but we still need, if Apple really wants to see those Apple Watch sales skyrocket, we're talking about 75% of people are first-time Apple Watch owners. It can go even higher than that. If they just make the Apple Watch completely independent, it doesn't require an iPhone for setup. At least it requires you to sign up, you know, with an Apple account. Uh, that that makes sense. A dot me account <laughs> is it dot me? It's not mobile me, that's for sure. <laughs> it's a me account, iCloud account. So 
that that's really the next step for me for Apple and better battery life. But this Facebook watch is actually thinking about that. Hey, it doesn't need a smartphone to get this thing set up. Okay. Um, you kind of have my attention. There's also health features that are expected to be on this watch, like track workouts, um, the ability to follow friends or communicate even with trainers that are included. So a health element to this health and fitness. We we've seen how honestly Apple's really pushed the Apple watch and figured over time by, by seeing what the market is doing and what its owners are doing, how health is important. We've heard the rumors about a potential blood glucose monitoring uh, sensor in a future Apple watch, whether that's Apple watch series seven or not, but it's all moving towards that direction where this wristband or Apple watch will just be a beast of sensors. And that just makes it more attractive and more lucrative. We know how huge diabetes is afflicting people and also people with pre-diabetic conditions. So Facebook plans to sell their smartwatch at close to its production cost, which is exactly what they do with the Oculus headset. There's no word on pricing, but according to the report, um, somewhere maybe in the $150 to $400 price range with competing products. A Facebook watch at $400? No. Hell no. But I could totally imagine hearing someone uh, say, hey, there's a Facebook watch for 150 bucks. Should I get it for my parents or for my grandparents? Because it'll be easier for them. You know, this might be one of those super simplified watch experiences. And there is a sliver of a market. But to say the word compete, I mean, it depends on how you want to define the word compete. Facebook working on smartwatch to compete with Apple Watch. I don't think that's happening. But it is it is surprising. And I, you know, the, I'm sorry. I guess I will admit and embrace saying the tech snob on me in me laughed when I first saw that headline, but I get it. And when, you ha- when you're a machine that has money galore and you can really do whatever you want to do and see if it's a success or not, well, Facebook can do it. But here's the other thing, right? Facebook and Apple are going through this back and forth beef. Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg aren't really playing nice anymore. We've seen what Apple is doing with their app tracking transparency feature in that should be launching in iOS 14.5. We're going to talk about iOS 14.5 shortly and all the new features in it. But since we're on this kind of Facebook Apple tip, the most recent report that just came out basically to start the weekend, Mark Zuckerberg told Facebook employees in a meeting, and I quote, We need to inflict pain. And it was specifically targeted to Apple. And he said this because he felt that Apple is treating the company so poorly. This is according to people familiar with the exchange. Now, this is from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I first of all, it's a Mark Zuckerberg trying to you know get all tough on someone doesn't sound too tough to me because he's not gonna be like, we need to inflict pain. He's going to be like, so we need to inflict pain on Apple. Uh, I'm not happy with how they've dealt with our relationship and how they are coming at us for what they believe are privacy violations when I believe we're doing everything to help make this world a better place. So we, 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 we need to inflict pain. It, this is this is how go watch a few clips you know you know what i'm talking about this is how the man talks so according to the wall street journal this is um kind of a direct excerpt from their article 
they talk about how Mark Zuckerberg has talked for years that Apple and Tim Cook specifically have had too much kind of sway or power over Facebook. And so in 2018, his anger boiled over. Now, this is about a controversy with their data collection practices because Tim Cook has talked about it, how, and kind of thrown some shots at Facebook saying when there were privacy issues with Facebook, Tim Cook said, oh, we we would never have that problem. We would never put ourselves in such a jam like this. And because Apple, right, obviously is also branding themselves as kind of one of those tech companies that does value our privacy and absolutely has shown compared to other companies that they actually do value it. Um, I'm not saying that they don't know every company, our data is important to them, but they're not selling our data. They're, they're not in the business to sell our data to make money. That's not what Apple does. They're selling devices. And yes, they have our data, but they're keeping them under, for the most part, pretty secure and under lock and key so that we're not getting served all this junk from Apple. And that has been my experience as well. So in private, Zuckerberg back then said that we need to inflict pain on Apple for treating us so poorly. And this is this. I think the timing of this report is interesting because this is from, uh, I guess, meetings or Zuckerberg talking to his team in 2018. So right now, there's a very public dispute between Apple and Facebook about the changes in iOS 14.5 that I talked about, the app tracking transparency feature. and. Facebook is saying, hey, this they know that everyone knows that this is going to affect their advertising business because they can no longer or will no longer be able to target as effectively as they used to be. And a large amount of their customers use Apple's platform. So this beef kind of continues to boil and boil. And I mean, look, is the iPhone going to kill Facebook? Absolutely not, but it's going to make things a lot harder on Facebook because that's what they're in the business of, our user data. And here's the thing. Facebook was one of their complaints saying, oh, this is going to really hurt small businesses to do what they need to do. The fact of the matter is that Apple's not preventing them from doing this. Apple is giving users like you and me an option that tells us, do we want to give Facebook free reign on this information? And guess what? Most of you are going to. You know, I I have a Facebook account, but I'll tell you, I use it, of all the social media platforms, I use it the least. I mean, you know, it it's more to see like what my parents and some of my friends that are on Facebook are doing, but I'm not an active participant. I mean, I do post some of my my content on there just to kind of help get, get it populated, but as an actual organic user, it's very rare that I use Facebook these days. I mean, I try to stay off of it as much as possible. So Facebook coming out with a watch competitor and this whole Facebook Apple beef, it's not anywhere from being over. So we'll see how it all comes together. I think we're going to hear a lot more about it once Apple flips the switch. We're going to start hearing companies that are frustrated, whether they're mobile game companies, whether they're companies like Facebook and others, they're going to be frustrated about it. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We also know, I kind of teased about it earlier, that March is the magic month for Apple. I mean, if, if you love Apple products, this is the month for you. Hallelujah. 
It's March, everybody. So you know what that means? Typically, we've seen new iPads being released. So John Prosser, friend of the show, Apple leaker, right? He has basically said we should expect to finally see AirTags in March. They're still on for March. And we know that Samsung at least announced their Bluetooth version of their tags and released them um, earlier in January, but they have not released their ultra wideband version of the tag, which is similar to Apple's ultra wideband version of the AirTags. Actually, Apple only has one version. So we've been sitting on these AirTags for a while. I've talked to you about it, how it's still, Apple just has to release them, but it still seems like it doesn't make much sense when we're still at home, but they can't just sit on this forever and wait till like September of this year or end of the year. I mean, the vaccinations are starting to roll out. We're starting to see that become more readily available. So I'm hoping that for those of us that do it, and I hope most of you do it, I'm not telling you to do it. That's not my job. Maybe by summer, late summer, that we can all get a taken care of and then start to work towards a more normal style of living. So the AirTags, those are coming expected in March. Also, iPad Pros still on track. And these are the iPad Pros that everyone is hoping to see that if they have that mini LED display. The, the interesting thing about the iPads themselves is Unless they do a major software kind of revamp this year, for the most part, hardware-wise, they shouldn't be that much different, right? They put in the camera system with the LiDAR scanner last year, and that was the minor change, but the processor roughly stayed the same. We'll see the a new true processor in here, and that's really what it comes down to. The battery life is fine on them. They're not going to redesign it significantly. Okay, maybe even if the uh, Face ID camera gets smaller, it's still in the bezel. We're basically talking about a potential new screen and a potential new processor. But the thing that can make the iPad Pro worthwhile for me to upgrade again, and I didn't uh, with the last generation, is to give us functionality and capability that we don't have anywhere else. And if that means, dear God, I hope that the app, they bring us some more software, but I hope it actually runs on the earlier iPad Pros as well. That would be a little silly. So my hope is that 2021 is the year of software for the iPad and AirPods. Is that going to be enough for a March announcement? It is if it's a press release. Because I don't think that that is worthy of any type of big event. All right, let's go through this. You know, we've seen and I've posted some videos about iOS 14.5. If you thought that iOS 14.5 was going to be kind of like a mini small update, It is absolutely not. I mean, this is going to be the biggest update to iOS since iOS 14. It feels like a lot of these features they're even throwing at us and putting putting in could have arguably been saved and rolled out to iOS 15. I know that sounds crazy. I mean, not that I want that, but there's a lot of significant features here that have been unearthed and discovered and new ones that have popped up. So some of these new ones is the fact that in iOS 14.5 in the beta, right now, at least this is in the beta, you'll have the ability to change your default music app. Now, this is different because right now you can actually say, hey, you know who, play this song using Spotify or play this song using Pandora. You can actually say that right now and it'll use that app you're you're directly telling it to. But now in iOS 14.5, you'll be able to actually, when you say, hey, play this song by BTS and you just leave it blank like that, open-ended, 
initially you'll get an option to choose the music service that you end up using as your default music service. It's totally different. So that is expected to potentially make it. The The other thing about this is there are no actual settings inside iOS 14, like, you know, where instead of just using our voice where we can physically press a button or a toggle that activates which music service we want to be our default. I would imagine if they do roll this out, that'll be coming. But right now, at least in beta 14.5, you will be able to change your default music service. Pretty cool. Apple Maps gets even better. I have nothing wrong with Apple Maps for me. I mean, at least here in the US, some people have told me, hey, it's different in different countries. And I understand that. So I can't speak for everyone. But Apple Maps is a quality, quality app. And this is another reason why you might jump over. Now, they are adding the ability to while you're on a route or going to a destination, you're able to report an accident, hazard, or speed check. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does that sound like Waze? Because it is absolutely what Waze does. This is built into the UI. You can even report an accident, hazard, or speed check while you're driving, while you're on a way to a location or destination. You can just tell Siri that and report it on the spot. So you don't even have to touch the phone. Really slick, clean, easy interface. That's an additional feature that we're going to see in iOS 14.5 that is currently in the beta. Another one. YouTube's picture-in-picture feature, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. Most of you probably don't even use it anymore because they kind of axed it, but in the YouTube standalone app, you cannot cannot take advantage of picture-in-picture. But if you use YouTube in the web browser in Safari or Chrome and you expand the the movie from kind of the normal website template, there's an option to do picture-in-picture in there. Now, this actually was available in iOS 14, but then YouTube said, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you will need to be a logged in paid subscriber of YouTube Premium if you want to take advantage of this. Well, now in iOS 14.5, currently in the beta, you don't have to be logged in with your premium account. You can do picture in picture with YouTube as long as you're watching it on through the Safari browser or another browser. That's back. And it is so sweet. But something tells me that, hey, YouTube's going to be like, ah, we're not going to let you do that again. Log back in on premium. So that might not exist once the iOS 14.5 final version comes out to the public, but it is there right now. It's there at the moment. So iOS 14.5, significant, significant features. It has the ability also uh, from earlier to use an Apple Watch in tandem with an iPhone and unlock it if you're wearing a face mask now, that's another big feature. So you've got a lot of things that are cooking with iOS 14.5 that I think is gonna be a great update. All right, thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the podcast. Podcasts are small businesses, so when I'm talking to business owners, we get each other 100%. And when it comes to hiring, every single hire needs to fit just right. Now my team is tiny, It's myself 95% of the time, but one wrong move could be extremely bad. And that's why I want to talk to you about Indeed. Indeed searches through the millions of resumes in their database to help show you great candidates instantly. So you can do the part that you really need faster, meeting and hiring great people. Now, unlike some hiring sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility, delivering a quality shortlist faster 
With Indeed, there are no long-term contracts. You can pause your account at any time, and you can only pay for what you need. With Instant Match, you'll see a list of great candidates right away, and Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. Do you want your quality shortlist fast? You need Indeed. Right now, get a free $75 credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. This is Indeed's best offer available anywhere. Get a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. That's Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through March 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Now, if we're sticking on phones, this conversation kind of happened and came up, and I actually talked a lot about extensively in my video this week because the iPhone 12 mini that everyone is talking about and some people are shaping this conversation, but I, I don't know, I see it both ways. But the question to be posed is the iPhone 12 mini a flop? And the reason why they're saying that is a lot of analytics firms have come forward and talked about roughly based on their estimations of sell-through that the iPhone 12 mini sold poorly compared to the other iPhones specifically in the iPhone 12 lineup. And it sold poorly enough that people started begging the question, throwing it out there, will Apple stay committed to this smaller phone design moving forward? Because look, the tech community and reviewers love the iPhone mini. But then, and I'm gonna just keep it real, if you're getting review units, I wanna know what, phone you're actually using as your day-to-day after that. So a lot of times there's this um, inclination to get excited about a product, which is fine, which we all should be, and say, this is great, this is great, but then what's your actual daily driver? Now, here's the thing. I think the iPhone 12 mini is a great phone, but it's I don't use it because I need a larger screen. So I'll say it's great, but when people say, like, this is the greatest thing, I love it, I love it, oh my gosh, it's amazing, and they don't even use it as their daily driver, come on, let's... That's where we need to take a step back. So data firm CounterPoint Research found that the iPhone 12 mini accounted for just 5% of overall sales for the company's smartphone lineup. Now, the other trend that's working against it is that according to uh, JP Morgan, screens under six inches now account for only 10% of smartphone sales industry-wide. And you'd think that if there's any company that can kind of start a new trend or push a trend in the right direction, and we've seen Apple do it all the time, they are the company that can move the needle and push the industry in in many different ways, (laughs) even a notch, right? I mean, people put in notches on their phone until they figured out other ways to do it because Apple did it. We've seen this a lot of times. Even when Apple is second to market on other things, we've seen how this time, right? Removing the headphone jack, removing... Um, the power adapter in the box. They have the power to start these trends. Well, Apple tried the iPhone 12 mini trend and it only made up 5% of their sales. The other thing that's tricky here is Apple nev- doesn't tell us how many phone units they sell anymore. They used to back in the day, but remember they changed their earnings statement, so they don't do that anymore. So we don't know exactly w- the number, how many was 5%, right? That That's... That's what would really tell us and be a great indicator of if Apple's looking to keep this in the lineup or not. The rumors and reports say that at least in 2021, there will be four phones in the Apple lineup. But you got to imagine 
if the iPhone mini dips even lower and it isn't as successful, we may not see that phone in 2022. Like that would tell us that the experiment may or may not have worked. But I will tell you, most people that ended up deciding to go with the mini knew what they were going getting into. They love their mini. I hear it from so many people, but it's just that, that sometimes the the vocal groups don't reflect what the actual majority is thinking. And there's a few things that worked against the mini's favor too. The iPhone SE 2020 came out before the mini within a year of it, okay? Also, obviously within the year, I mean, they both came out in 2020. That was a phone that was 4.7 inches. People are used to that smaller form factor. People that are also used to that form factor and have still kept something like their 4S for all these years are used to a touch ID button. So then when the mini came along later, if the iPhone SE 2020 had never come out, I would imagine you would have seen more people pick up the mini. The other factor, if you forgot, the mini came out like a month, month and a half after the iPhone 12 and iPhone 12 Pro. And I know plenty of people that said, I'm not going to wait. I'm just going to get the 12 and 12 Pro. So it'll be interesting to see in 2021 is there's been rumors and rumblings that Apple will uh, be including their LiDAR sensor in all of their phones, which will help with depth detection and also potentially help with portrait night mode shots, which is one of the main uh, benefits of the new iPhone 12 Pro lineup because it has that LiDAR sensor in it. So we'll see if they bring that down all the way down. There is also rumblings that image stabilization will be available for all four models. That makes, that now starts to bring the 12 mini or let's call it the 13 mini that will come out in 2021 a lot more attractive as well. But that is interesting. You know, someone like me who loves the one hand phone navigation, loved it when I picked it up, knew that I enjoyed it, still knew that I wasn't going to keep, that would not be my daily driver. But that's just me. I'm not, this is, I'm not saying the iPhone 12 mini is actually a flop. I'm bringing up the question because that's what people are talking about. And I'd love to hear from you all. Was it a flop for you? Was it an absolute must buy? Like that is your daily driver. What do you love about it? What don't you? Like this is a great way to open up the conversation. All you got to do is record a voice memo and send it in applebitsshow at gmail.com. Name where you're from. Let me know. That's how you take part in this show. All right. Speaking of flops, <laughs> how is Apple TV Plus doing? Oh, okay. That was a low blow. That that was not meant to be a low blow, but I only asked the question because we've got more stuff around the whole streaming space right now. And Disney recently reported their earnings. And during that time, they announced that they have surpassed 94.9 million subscribers. So basically, Disney Plus, the service, has 95 million subscribers roughly a year after, a little more than a year after it launched. And you have to remember that Disney Plus launched pretty much at the same time as Apple TV Plus. Apple TV Plus, Apple themselves does not reveal subscription numbers, but there is no way that it's anywhere close to 95 million. And once this, okay, let me rephrase this. Once this free subscription period is over, there is no way that they're anywhere close to 95 million. Also, to kind of give you an idea of the position of where Apple TV Plus is amongst paying services, 
If you want to talk about, hey, how is Disney Plus doing? Why is it being so successful? Well, according to kind of the apps that are the highest grossing subscription apps on iOS, this is according to Sensor Tower's top 10 ranking. YouTube is number one. Tinder, number two. That surprised me. Number three, Disney Plus. Four is Pandora. Five is Bumble. Six is Hulu. So we got, let's say say the top five. Okay, I'll go down. Six is Hulu. Seven is HBO Max. Eight is YouTube Music. Nine is ESPN. Ten is Amazon Music. So two of the top 10 are dating apps. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. The other eight are all streaming services, which makes sense because they're subscription-based. But Apple TV Plus isn't anywhere on that at all. Now, again, Apple may not reveal this, but I'd be hard-pressed to believe that Apple TV Plus even is performing better than Amazon Music from a subscription user base. It would it would surprise me. Now, look, I'm not trying to pile on, but I'm just trying to give you a a general idea of where it is in the landscape of things. And obviously content matters. Well, there is a title that you have all told me over and over to watch. I keep on talking about Ted Lasso on here, but the reason why I'm bringing up Ted Ted Lasso is that Apple has been honored with a total of 224 awards and nominations and accolades for this upcoming awards season. Ted Lasso crushing it with nominations for Best Comedy Series from the Critics' Choice Awards, um, Golden Globe nominations, Writers Guild of American nominations, the SAG Awards nominations. It's everywhere for in the Best Comedy Series, Best Actor in a Comedy Series. This, it's doing, I, I have to watch it. But how am I supposed to watch it when I'm watching WandaVision, y'all? <laughs> See, this is the thing. When we talk about content, and people are going to say, watch both. I'm sorry, I really don't have much time to watch both. If you see the amount of content I pump out on my own, you understand, you understand, right? But is there a show that Apple can release that makes us literally like itchy and uncomfortable waiting until the next week just to see that show again? I mean, that's what we have to get to to even draw any type of subscriber base. WandaVision is amazing. I know a lot of people... Some of you, many of you listening here were very impatient about the first two and a half episodes, and I just said, just wait it out. It's worth it because I was fortunate enough to see the first three altogether before it came out, and I said they should have released the first three altogether and then go week by week, but that show is keeping everyone on the edge of their seat every week. Does Apple have a show like that in the works? <laughs> Sorry, that's a weird noise, but I'm just like, I don't know. I don't think so. So now, here's some other commentary. So congratulations to Ted Lasso, well-deserved, and you all continue to beat me over the head like, you gotta see it? Okay, I'll make an effort to see it. Eventually. And then we're not gonna pile on, but we have this other story that came out recently. Um, Netflix co-founder and former CEO Mark Randolph spoke to Yahoo Finance, and he talked about specifically Disney Plus and Apple TV Plus. And he called it out and what I've been calling out, and we all know this content is king and it's nice to have as part of the Apple One service and package. I'd really be more curious how many people are subscribing to Apple TV Plus standalone 
without Apple One. That would be kind of the most telling um, subscription number that we could see. But the former CEO and co-founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph, actually criticized Apple's free TV Plus offerings and the number of subscribers that are still not paying because, right, we've been doing this over year-long subscription. So he says if Apple spent one quarter as much time on content as they do on giveaways, they really could play. He says they have no excuse and they're still not in it with both feet. They really have to do the entrepreneurial thing and walk up to the edge of the cliff and jump. And this is this is what was really interesting to me because he makes a great point and it also kind of speaks to some of the DNA that we see in Apple, right? He talked about, he said they really have to do the entrepreneurial thing, walk up to the edge of the cliff and jump. Now, is Apple an innovator? Yes. But remember, Apple likes to wait for markets to mature with products typically, then they polish it up, make it the best digestible possible, you know, possible product for the general consumer. It works great. It's reliable. People get excited. And more than anything, right, we've been locked into the ecosystem. If you want to talk about what is the number one product that's going to lock people in the ecosystem even more now, it's absolutely the Apple Watch. Once you have an Apple Watch and an iPhone, you're not leaving the Apple ecosystem. You know, with a laptop, you could bounce around for work. You could be more flexible with that. Even if you have a laptop and a phone, that doesn't mean you're sticking in the Apple ecosystem. That watch is going to keep you in. So, right, Apple has this benefit of the ecosystem. It, you know, it it ends up affecting them because they don't have to move as fast. They don't have to innovate as fast and as drastically because they have such a built-in audience. And I feel like this same psychology is happening with Apple TV Plus where they're okay with playing the slow, the slow play. They're okay with releasing some content here and there. They, you know, there are, maybe there's a, you know, a moment of clarity where they all of a sudden hit it hard with content in year three or four because they realize that's what it takes. Well, they're not doing that. You know, they're kind of taking their time and it's it's hurting Apple TV Plus, if you ask me, because now we are in a race where if I told you to name the top three streaming services that you cannot live without, Apple TV is not on those top three. For me, they're not. I know a lot of us are different, but for most people, you can't tell me that Apple TV Plus is a must-have service right now. A must-have service. To me, for me, Amazon Prime, that just is there because a lot of people are using Amazon. So that, that's not a must-have as a streaming video service. But it's for me, it's Netflix, Apple TV+, and HBO Max. Now, some of you might swap one of those for Hulu. Maybe you throw in Hulu on there. Let's say if you even put in Hulu as, as the four, the fab four, Apple doesn't even crack the top the top four. So he went on to explain in this article, the former CEO of Netflix, that Apple TV Plus has the highest churn rate out of all the available streaming services. And he adds, you can't keep replacing people. You've got to give them a reason to stay. And that's exactly right. Apple has not given us a reason to stay with Apple TV Plus other than the fact that it might be bundled with our other services and be a nice add-on, but nothing that we absolutely have to have. I mean, I could, I loved the morning show, but I don't need the morning show. And th- that's their dilemma. Content is king when you're streaming service and you got to feed that beast. But I-, I thought it was interesting how he basically said, do the entrepreneurial thing and 
Apple is not an entrepreneurial company. They're an innovative company that has a hold that makes them comfortable and allows them to do amazing things as well. Let's not forget that. But Apple TV Plus, it's kind of opposite to the psychology and the habits that that company has developed. All right, if you want to know about a little bit of maybe some new upcoming products, there was this huge kind of little bit of, not huge, but a little bit of buzz about, oh, Apple filed for new computers, including the MacBook Air and the 13-inch MacBook Pro and the Mac Mini. They all had M1 chips, but there was one more product that was unspecified in the database for their Bluetooth filings, and no one knew what it was, and everyone said, oh my gosh, is this a new computer? What is it? It's just the M1 chip. That That's all it was. <laughs> The mystery listing was just an M1 chip. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry, y'all. You got super, super excited. It was nothing more than that. All right, everybody. Um, That's what we've got, at least from the story standpoint. Let's jump into our calls. I told you we had one call. I was going to honor that call, and I'm doing the call right now. Hey, Brian, this is Joe Kim from Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I'm just catching up on the uh, Wong Tong predictions for 2021. And I've got an idea for you. How about an Apple TV with a FaceTime camera? That way you can just set the, you know, the small uh, box on top of your uh, TV cabinet or whatever. And you get the FaceTime full screen on your big TV. I think it's a winner. What do you think? Keep up the good work. Stay safe. Bye. All right, thanks so much for that, Jokum. Um, you know, I think that it's a nice idea. It, it really is what kind of Facebook did with their portal in a way. The thing about it is the placement would be the hardest thing. I think if anything, it would have made more sense. Like, look, Apple has FaceTime. It's one of the most used video platforms, and obviously, especially amongst Apple users, it's not cross-platform, so that hurts it more. But again, to if they really, they're they're doing so many things they really wanted to put even more of a stranglehold on their ecosystem. It would have and could have been to release Google Nest type products and Amazon Echo type products that have a display that sits on your kitchen and allows you to interact with them. I mean, Apple could eventually do that, but again, they're kind of late to the party, but I would have liked to see something like that from Apple, quite honestly, is just a video conference accessible device anywhere you want that also can search YouTube and the internet and take calls and intercom, right? Just kind of like a, basically the home pod with a screen mm, that should have happened like three years ago, not where a point where it hasn't even happened yet. And so when you talk about that adapting to a TV, I like the idea, but not everyone has the ability to position their um, Apple TV in the right spot, whether it's no one wants, quite honestly, I don't want to see a big camera above my TV or anything like that at least attached to the screen. Not everyone has cabinets or shelves rested behind their TV as well. Um, Even putting an Apple TV maybe low center in front of the TV, that can work. But again, the camera would have to be just really good performing from that standpoint. Um, So I think it's a cool idea, but I think really what would be a better product for them if you wanted to talk about easy video conferencing would be actually to have something like, you know, a Facebook portal slash Google Nest type device, but they haven't done that and I get it. It's okay that they haven't because they can't be everything. I mean, they're they're trying to get into virtual VR, AR glasses. There's all these reports about them getting into a car and we kind of found out the first rule about Apple car 
is don't talk about Apple Car because Hyundai opened their mouth and said that they were talking Apple and working on with them. And now, and it seemed like they got scolded and said, oh no, we're not working with you anymore. And now uh, Hyundai recently came out and said, oh, we we are not in discussions with um, Apple anymore with the Apple Car. Like that, they couldn't even hold a, a baby secret like that. They got axed from a potential chance of that project. I digress. Uh, I think it's a nice idea, but not my top priority for what Apple needs to do if they really want to take home video conferencing a little more seriously. They could, but it's just not at the top of the list. So thanks for the call, though. Really appreciate it. And everybody, if you want to call in, again, I told you we only had one call. You can be a part of the show. Just record a voice memo. Send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. It's all you got to do and really easy. Your name, where you're from, what you want to talk about what you're thinking of, what's on your mind, ideas, criticisms, good apples, bad apples. We will take it all. Just send it along, applebitsshow at gmail.com. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters, the Platinum Apples at $100. Oh, my goodness. Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you for your contributions and support. Thank you to all of you for your amazing contributions and support at every level um, from $1 to $2 to higher. I mean, I can't say thanks enough. You're allowing me to do this and we keep this train rolling. Great. I got some other stuff cooking. I know I keep saying that, but trust me, it's a cooking, but I appreciate all your support because these times are crazy and uh, couldn't do it without y'all. So that's going to do it for this week's show, everybody. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace.